You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 194, 36 Crazy Fists, hosted by Dan Terry. Something sounds just a little bit like something else, and we're like, yep, it's the same thing, or it's a carbon copy. And Joseph Wren, just going in a circle, playing the fucking drop D, the first three frets are the only frets that count. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you face off with the crazy 88s with 36 crazy fists and 99 red balloons, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. We're busting out our crazy fists. We're going to be a little new metal tonight. We're going to be a little hardcore, a little metalcore. Everything that Joe likes mixed with everything Dan likes. What's the problem? I mean, I don't really think there is a problem. 36 Crazy Fists is a staple uh, in the in the metal scene, uh, really anywhere, you know, from the year 2000 on, as far as I'm concerned. Um, 36 Crazy Fists has always been around. They're still around. They're, they're still doing the thing. You know, they're still doing the thing that they do. And uh, we actually, if you guys have been listening to Discuss Metal, obviously we did do a... Uh, a very extensive Discuss Metal interview with Brock Lindau of 36 Crazy Fists. Uh, so definitely go and check that out, which is why in this episode, I'm not going to necessarily dig into the history of the band as much as I normally do because, well, I'm lazy and we did that already. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then we, I mean, we let the man himself tell the story, you know, so I, I feel like uh, I'm not going to sum it up better than, than he can. So uh, all of that being said, though, this is... Uh, this is an interesting discography um, because the band really falls in between so many different genres and is constantly blending them. You know, they start off in kind of more of like a 90s alt metal sound, jumping right into new metal, which totally makes sense. And then they jump from new metal to metalcore. And then even, I mean, you, you even have some alternative rock, hard rock, like top 40 sounding songs thrown in there too. But throughout all of those changes, they still sound like 36 Crazy Fists. Is it Brock's voice? Is that is that what it really is? I think that's part of it, but we'll get into it. Well, before Dan tapes his fists and goes to war inside the squared circle, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. We're on Spotify. Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening, and now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Hey, you know what? We love our five-star reviews here on Discography Discussion, and we also love... Sharing. Sharing is caring, guys. That's a generic thing that people always say, but it's very true. If you care about the podcast, then share it. And so many of you guys do. And I love it. And keep it up. Thank you guys so much for sharing the episodes with your friends, your family, people that you just met, people that you want to annoy, people that you want to impress. Share it with the world, man. This world needs a little bit more positivity right now. So uh, we're, we're here to provide it for you sometimes. You know, unless we're talking about like a band I hate, which is not what we're going to do tonight. So positivity, yeah. 
We got a comment on YouTube from E.B. Kuhn in regards to episode 25, System of a Down. System of a Down. Please talk about Scars on Broadway, Darren's present band. Not really a fan of Scars on Broadway myself. Is that the uh, is that the one with the rapper? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I listened to that EP actually. Uh, I know crazy, right? I listened to an EP because it's all I had. I think it was only like three <laughs> songs. Um, I actually kind of enjoyed it, and actually, uh, John over on Brutally Speaking, uh, he actually interviewed uh, interviewed the singer of Scars on Broadway. It was a really good talk. They talked about rap a lot. I didn't know what was going on most of the time, but uh, you know, it seemed to be a good conversation. Not really a fan of Scars on Broadway. I get it, but I am one of those fans of System of a Down. I think there is something to the chemistry of that band when you put those people in the room and those influences together. It makes a sound that is overall appealing, even though it changed near the end of the band's tenure, as it were. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and and I think change is kind of the. Um the theme of the night. Uh, whenever we, whenever we jump into thirty six, we're gonna kind of, we're we're gonna kind of really kind of discuss those changes and decide whether they're actually changes or not. So Dan, tell me about thirty six crazy fists. Well, thirty six crazy fists is a metal band. I think it's safe to just call them a metal band at this point. Uh, we, we we'll be jerks and get get into all the subgenres and all that as we go. Uh, but I'd say I'd say overall. A metal band, uh, whatever metal kind of looked like that year. Uh, they are from Anchorage, Alaska, and uh, not a lot of bands uh, really that I that I've heard that are from Alaska. And that's something that I was actually really curious about when we did the discuss metal interview. Is I was kind of like, what what is the what is the hardcore metalcore scene look like in Alaska in 1994? And uh, and Brock's answer was spoilers. There, there was not one. <laughs> uh, they, they, they they were lucky if they, if like Metallica would fly out, you know what I mean, <laughs> like something something like that. And uh, but what they what they kind of came up with was was really interesting to me. And um, and you know we'll get into it, but like they have always been very adaptable without being like a trend hopping band. Uh, it's almost like they just modernized with the times. But like you, you never hear them deviate from their songwriting formula that much. Um, they really are just who they are unabashedly, and and, and I, I enjoy that so so much. Which is interesting because when we start off with their first record, they all, their first record is probably the most different sounding Thirty Six album. I admit I had multiple instances throughout the week where I had to stop listening to the band because it just wasn't meshing with whatever I had going on that particular time of that particular day. So you hit the reset button two or three times, and then you realize it's the drastic change of genre or seemingly drastic change of genre that was throwing me off. I felt like I was in on In the Skin 1997, and then you move forward a couple records and it stops being new metal, I'll say it, and it starts being straight hardcore from the early 2000s. That is a drastic change to go through when your expectations are so solid, if that makes any sense. Yeah, but I think you can see the DNA in it. And that's that's the thing. And I think Brock's voice really carries a lot of it, uh, if, if I'm being honest. 
Um, I think I think he is the. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of like it's kind of like this podcast in a certain degree, right? Like we we cover different bands, different genres. Each episode maybe has its own vibe, but the hosts are the same. Usual, well, at, le- at the very least, me and Joe uh, <laughs> are the same. So you, you know, in that regard, I think that if you're paying attention, you can definitely see the DNA of what they're going to do next in whatever record you're listening to. So in, in, in that regard, I think I think we better just jump in, man. This first record, I love the punk rock energy. I love how raw it is. Good luck finding this one. This one was a, thank God it's on YouTube for me. It sounds raw. It sounds like somebody recorded it on an eight track, not necessarily for the purposes of releasing on cassette, but it sounds like a record I listened to that was on cassette back in the day. It sounds thin. Yeah. The drums are punchy in unnatural, independent ways. And the vocals are just part of the mix. It sounds like a band that's going to go play a set. I think it's fun because like, it's got so much 90s in it. And this is kind of what I was talking about with... Uh, it kind of reminds me of the early Nothing Face material, um, who, who's another band that, that would go on to play new metal. But during this era of the band, the the in the skin era, like there's so much alternative rock, but it's like they're they're going for those '90s grunge riffs and those those heavy riffs, and the the fact that it's recorded as rawly as it is recorded gives it this ultra heavy quality that I almost feel like isn't even possible now. There's just something about there's something about the way those 90s riffs sounded. Um, I don't know if it's just an equipment thing or a recording technique, but stuff was super, super heavy. And so what you have is not necessarily a straight metal record as much as you have more of an alternative rock, hard rock, but almost heavy enough to, to jump into metal territory. It's an interesting sweet spot for the band. There's tempo changes, there's mood changes, if that's a word I'm allowed to use in 1997. There's dynamics, that's what you're trying to say. Absolutely, and this one just works. I feel like if I had found the band in the early 2000s, there might have been a chance to get this one, and this would be a welcome change for me as a new listener. Talked about my old CD buying strategies of buy the record you like and then go back and buy everything else because I want to hear where the band is and where they came from. This one honestly sounds logical to me. It sounds like the band that would go on to put out Bitterness the Star, a snow-capped romance, and then we break into the metalcore. So there's your disconnect in style, but it was also 10 years between the two. It was, it was. And it's fun too because there's a lot of DNA of the later 36 crazy fists here uh if anything you know i mean brock definitely focuses more on his clean vocal uh, on this record it's got a little bit more grit you know it's it's um beautiful at times i'll say it i actually really like brock's voice and i know i know it's not for everyone uh, i'll get that out of the way right now um you either like brock lindau's singing voice or you don't um and uh I really, really like it, and um, I, I think it's emotional in a way that a lot of classically trained singers aren't, you know? So, like, you know, but I like I like his screams on this record, but that's going to get a lot better uh, as as they go on. So the screaming isn't necessarily the high point uh, on the, in the skin for me, 
but uh but musically man it 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 bangs it's it's a it's an incredible record for a debut and i want to be very clear about that like uh it, it's a debut record it sounds much more above average than what can be expected by a lot of bands independent debut record so uh, in in that regard i think it's a win uh but i do definitely as, as we move into some of their later material this is where the stuff starts getting really 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 good 2002 bitterness the star so this is the first one that uh this is the, this is another buddy thing i'm throwing i'm throwing buddy into it right uh so buddy dude you got to hear this song it's called wrist theory and i'm like okay uh i guess and uh he actually brought this song and several other songs over to my house on a zip drive uh yeah you guys remember zip drives uh buddy brought me a zip drive with, Click of uh, with like oh yeah dude so such giant disgusting floppy disks the floppy disk of the future but we're here to talk about 36 crazy fists uh all i really knew about this band when this record came out was that my friend buddy was like really into this song called wrist theory which it turns out you know after you buy the cd that it's not called wrist theory it's called slit wrist theory and then you're like oh yeah here we are we are in roadrunner records new metal territory now like now it's happening and um honestly back then i didn't even really check out slit wrist theory or listen to this record i know buddy listened to it he liked it he's like no man trust me uh the singer he's got he's got like a different kind of he's got a different kind of voice like than what we're used to and uh, i just never really checked it out i didn't end up getting into 36 until uh until probably a snowcap romance uh, and even then, that was because I heard Brock singing on a Demon Hunter song. I don't remember which song that. I think it was Beauty Through the Eyes of a Predator. Uh, but after hearing Brock's voice on that, I was like, okay, I'm in. So so in revisiting this record, uh, I remember everybody saying like, oh, yeah, it's new metal. It's whenever they were new metal. They're new metal. They're new metal. Uh, and it is absolutely 100% a new metal record. It is a it is a 2002 Roadrunner, uh, Roadrunner new metal record. But I don't think that it's by the books, and I say that because, you know, we're not we're not like wearing Adidas track suits and and you know, hitting hitting everybody in the face with the funky bass, uh, much like their previous record uh, in the skin. This is a little bit more I'd say a little bit more alt rock based, but Brock's screaming a lot more now. So that's that I think the the, the heavier parts accentuated by his like higher pitched. Uh, screams really really make it sound new metal i think that that's that's really where people are getting that from i am a fan of any record that opens with a crash cymbal led drum groove and new metal as fuck guitars i'm talking drop d i'm talking drop d half step or even whole step some people call it drop c you're wrong but that's not the topic of today and you just wail on that rhythm. I want to see the guy that steps back and forth on the stage like Wes Borland back in the day. Just going in a circle, playing the fucking drop D. The first three frets are the only frets that count when you're writing a new metal song like this. This checks all my new metal boxes. But the vocals, in hindsight, I can see that they were going to end up on hardcore and metalcore later on. The vocals in 2002 sound like what most bands debut sounds like. 
Sounds like Brock is in the booth by himself doing the same thing that he does live. I'm going to sing my way through the heavy part. I'm going to scream when I feel like I need to. I'm putting forth the effort of keeping the audience engaged. It sounds like an unrefined vocal. Put that all together and it works. It's got energy. It's got intensity. And it doesn't sound artificial in the least. It doesn't. It sounds very natural. And you got to think, too, this is a time where dudes were sitting in the studio and they're like, oh, it's fine, bro. It's on a computer. Just do it until you get it right. You know, uh, but this this and the reason the reason there there's legitimacy to it being just how he sounds live is just the fact that like he is he continues to sound that way. Like he adopts that as his style throughout their career. I mean, it's not until probably a few albums later that you start hearing kind of the more multi-tracked uh, vocals and, and, and stuff being overlaid in. But even then, even on the later records, the, the multi-track vocals are screamed vocals mixed with like death growls. So like, I mean, that's a win all the way across the board. But uh, absolutely. I'll say this is probably my least favorite 36 record, but it's only because it's the one that I'm the least familiar with. Um, it feels to me like it goes on just a little bit too long. Uh, it's like a 45 minute record, so it's not like crazy long. But uh, unless you're listening to the special edition, which is much longer. But uh, I, I think that like I think by the time this came out, I was already transitioning away from the whole new metal thing into into like metalcore and hardcore. And it completely explains why I probably didn't check this record out, because at that time, other than like Kill Switch Engage, uh, I wasn't listening to Roadrunner bands like really. This is about the time I stopped listening to El Nino, which will be important later if you guys are listening. Uh, but like, <laughs> I think that like, I think that it's good that I heard a Snowcap Romance first because I don't think I would have continued listening to the band if I'd have started with Bitterness the Star, and that's not taking away from the record at all. Because again, I might have just heard dude's voice and been like, "Yep, you know, it's cool. I'm in. I'm into it." Uh, but yeah, like all in all great record probably it's probably closer to one of your favorites isn't it joe because i know you got that new metal uh in your blood it started me off on a good path having not listened to this band before so you might understand my confusion later on knowing that they're going to go full metalcore i shouldn't have been put off as much as i was but it threw me off more than once this week. Don't worry, I got through it, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's got some great songs, and and I really uh, I recommend it if you're into new metal, like especially like I would consider this to be more like second or third wave as far as new metal goes. Um, we're not, you know, we, we've come a long way since like the first Corn record, you know. Uh, so a lot of these bands that were coming out in like 2001, 2002 definitely had a much stronger radio rock and like alt rock feel however the heavy parts on this record are very heavy and brock screams through most of it and so the concept of this band going in a heavier direction on their next record really kind of makes a lot of sense in retrospect 2004 a snow-capped romance now this is what i'm talking about you got andy sneep mixing and mastering this puppy uh this is so like Bitterness the Star definitely broke 36 as a band that people should check out. Uh, but a Snowcap Romance is where 
all of a the sudden they're showing up on samplers and they're playing the style that that some of the newer bands uh, were playing. And so you you would be you would be forgiven for thinking that 36 is a band that just came out around the time of the Azalea Dying and Kill Switch Engage crowd. Like you'd think that it'd be the same. Uh, but what separates 36 from this band is that yes, this record absolutely has the breakdowns and I love the breakdown, obviously, especially especially that like 2004 breakdown, right? <laughs> that that's whenever I was really into this kind of stuff uh, and they had that but what I like too is that there's like a little bit more of a finesse so this band does not do all the things that I complain about metalcore bands doing uh, they you, I, there's not a Gothenburg riff in sight there's there's no real like vocally there there's really nothing to compare Brock to he's screaming harder but he's still singing the songs are still melodic they're still catchy but they're just playing. They're doing their formula in a different genre, and uh, and it, I think it, it went off without a hitch. It was a perfect blend of what they had going on. Yes, the band moved forward sonically. Brock is taking advantage of layered vocals. All the studio tricks are there in some capacity. But I'm amazed that three records in, it still sounds like the band is releasing their debut record. Every time their style changes a little bit, they put out another record that still sounds raw. And I can't think of another band three records in that's putting out their first release, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it's almost like uh, like they're trying it again each time or they're trying to like give us different interpretations of what the band is. There are a lot of people, though, that I think think that this is the band's debut. And so whenever you're like, no, actually, there's two records before this one. But I do feel like this is the style that they ultimately, I don't even want to say settled on, because I don't think they settled on it. But I think that this style complements Brock's voice the most. And um, I just like it because it's heavier and I'm a meathead like that. Um, but what's interesting, though, is I do think that there are some songs on Bitterness the Star that are heavier than on this record. But what I like about 36 Crazy Fists is they have the heaviness. It's like a checkbox. They have it, but it is not their it is not their end game. There you know there there's always going to be heavier bands. There's always going to be somebody faster, heavier, louder, whatever. And so what I really really enjoy is this band's dedication to songwriting. Because the, these guys, you know, they're actually still writing songs that are songs like in the traditional sense. And and a lot of people are going to be like, well, hold on, Dan. Like, how, why is it okay for Thirty Six Crazy Fists to do that, but it's not okay for Demon Hunter? I don't have a great answer for that, but what I will say is that when you look at something like a Demon Hunter, they had a formula, they hammered it out. It took them a couple records, but once they had it, that's what they went with. Thirty Six Crazy Fists, up to this point in their career, has not put out the same record or shown any sort of signs of formula. But they do write their stuff in a very uh, in a very traditional way with your verse, chorus, verse, bridge, breakdown, whatever you want to call it. And I'm comfortable with that because I like because Brock's clean singing at the very least separates them from the pack and makes that chorus interesting for you to listen to because th these guys can write a chorus. And that's not something that we really highlight on the show that much. I kind of wish we did focus on it a little bit more, but these guys can write a chorus. They can write a hook. 
Uh, they they can sing, they can play. So what you get is a perfectly melded set of influences that are there to do one thing. We are going to deliver these songs that we wrote in whatever style we choose. Even when the band changes their musical style a little bit, it doesn't sound like Brock is changing as much as he's getting more comfortable being the lead vocalist of this band. That might be unfair to say that eight years in, you're not comfortable, but it actually is meant as a compliment because he has his voice, and his voice is very early 2000s, late 90s, new metal, with a little bit of a hardcore tinge to it. So the band is just writing songs around that sound, and this time it just happens to sound like a hardcore record. I think another band, we would be upset that the musical style changed, but the vocals didn't change. If anything, he's doing more of the hardcore and less of the raw singing. Yeah, he leans into the screams a little bit harder this time around. And, uh, and I think that complements the kind of more breakdown-y, um, almost post-hardcore vibe. But what I also like, too, is that they, they still have no problem rocking out kind of in that, in that kind of like new metal-ish or, or alternative rock way uh, where you let the guitar tone do the talking and you're just rocking. You're rocking out. Because I feel like this band, and we, we, we touched on this in the interview, uh, I felt like 36 could show up and play a metal show you know, like, it's not weird at all to think of, like, yeah, so tonight, uh, we're, you know, it's going to be Lamb of God, you know, Unearth, and 36 Crazy Fists. Like, it's like a peanut butter jelly situation. Like, it works great. But then you could actually take 36 and throw them on, you could throw them on a tour with, like, a skillet or or a band like that. You know, like, uh, I don't listen to nearly enough modern hard rock bands, but uh, <laughs> sk- skillet's the only one that came off of the tongue, but... Uh, you know, they, they could play a mainstream rock show. And granted, they'd be the heaviest band there, but I fail to see how that wouldn't work to their benefit, you know? Um, so I, I thought that that was always really, really cool that they had that versatility. Even even with the songs on this album, Snowcap Romance, they're still, they could still go and play that mainstream rock show. And based on the interview, it doesn't look like they really did that that often because they were friends with all the other bands and that's just what they wanted to do. So is Bloodwork a new metal song or a hardcore song? Oh, that's oh. Hit me with all the hard questions, Arya. <laughs> I was about to accuse this band of leaving breadcrumbs in the style of Norma Jean, but you listen to this one, it's kind of hard to decide. Maybe the band transitioned go- a little bit better than we're giving them credit for. I don't know. On Bloodwork specifically, I will call that just a hard rock song. Um, and even then, it's almost, I wouldn't call it a ballad, but it actually sounds the most like Bitterness the Star to me. Uh, but like, I do like, again, this is exactly what I'm talking about though, right? Because um, you have songs like Blood Work and, and, uh, and Destroy the Map, right? Where they're like, Blood Work, Blood Work and Destroy the Map are like kind of your more token like hard rock songs, like, you know, your single bait or whatever. But then you've got songs like Cure Eclipse, which just comes off like in your face, really, really intense, you know, metalcore. And so I, the, you're, you're never you're never at a loss for things to look for that are different. It, it, it dynamically changes from track to track. And I like that sometimes within tracks. 
Uh, I think we even commented that we started liking August Burns Red more whenever they started throwing in more variation, uh, you know, uh, per song. So uh, I think in that case, they, they, they absolutely killed it. But if we spend this much time on every single record, um, we're, we're never going to get through this discography. <laughs> so uh, let's keep rolling this train. Shall we rest inside the flames? 2006. I'm pretty sure that's a giant chicken burning on the cover of this record, standing in the middle of the highway somewhere in the desert. Yeah, if I saw this picture on Facebook or whatever, I would report it and be like, I'm in this picture and I don't like it. Uh, but it's. Uh, <laughs> so what's funny about this record is I feel like this is. Yeah, you know, we were talking about how they, how, how they transitioned into metalcore on, on a snowcap romance. This record more so and everybody's like more so what hardcore metalcore hard rock and my answer is yes you're welcome <laughs> whatever it is you're welcome dude the heavier songs are heavier um there's a little bit almost more of a punk energy on this record very driving very driving songs uh brock screaming harder to where his screams are actually starting to sound a little bit more unhinged love that uh there's definitely been some work done on the vocals uh, in that they are much more smoothed out on this record than they have been on previous. Um, and I think that that's the only real complaint I have on this record is on the clean vocals. Uh, I love them, but it sounds like Brock's trying too hard to sound like a professional rock singer and not sounding like he did on the last three records, which if I'm that dude, I understand why he makes that decision. Uh, as a fan of the band, I want to hear the guy do the damn thing. <laughs> right so that's where we're at but you can't deny the breakdowns on this record that's right I'm I, I'm being a full-on metalcore kid on this one but like rest inside the flames is a very very by the book by the numbers uh, metalcore hardcore record but here's the thing man what I love about this record is you get breakdowns you get screams you get driving punk energy right and then the clean vocals come in Here's the best part about the clean vocals. They're not <laughs> having that hard rock bass in the vocals makes me as like a grown-up person still appreciate listening to this record because I love the whiny nasally stuff. I do. I listen to some snot-nosed bands. But having that hard rock vocal adds so much legitimacy to me. And it doesn't change the dynamics of the song because the thing that always bothered me about like the more quote unquote like pop punk sounding choruses uh, that a lot of these bands used, especially in 2006, is that like it was such a dynamic shift in vocal that I when you're like growling like a dying calf with its throat cut, that's very aggressive, very in your face, very heavy. And then whenever you come in with a whiny nasally vocal that just completely pulls all the balls out of it for me. Whereas, uh, but you know, 36 Crazy Fist is like not like that, man, because uh, Brock's not a pop punk singer or an emo singer. He's a rock singer. And that really comes for comes through here. And on top of that, all the people out there comparing his vocals to Daryl Palumbo of Glassjaw, this record is a very good example of how different they are. Because I think everybody really is, you know, everybody wants to make that cosmetic comparison. I know I'm guilty of it. Joe's guilty of it. Jeff's very guilty of it. Hey, y'all. <laughs> uh, we make that we make that something sounds just a little bit like something else. And we're like, yep, it's the same thing or it's a carbon copy. 
this is a very good example. This entire record is an example of how, yeah, some of Brock's enunciations can sometimes sound like that of Daryl Palumbo of Glassjaw, but the bands couldn't be any more different in their approach. You're calling it pop punk. I'm going to invoke the wrath of unpleasable metal fan and call it emo. Is Brock Lindau on this record? Is 36 Crazy Fists on this record doing the exact same thing that all the emo bands were doing in 2006, except he's singing it with his natural voice, very baritone, and avoiding all of the nasally, whining, monotone upper singing that everybody carbon copied off of Under Oath? Yeah, and, and that's that's also where you start seeing it because a lot of people are going to say, like, Metalcore in 2006 was very derivative of Metalcore in 2005 or, or whatever, you know, was the most popular thing that year, right? I think I think Under Oath had put out Define the Great Line that year, and I think one of the, one of the most frustrating things for me when people talk about Metalcore is they lump it all into one category like it's all the same thing. When I have to stop and ask the question that I ask about a lot of genres, well, what kind of metalcore are we talking about here? Are we talking about, you know, the Converge, early Zeo type of metalcore uh, where it was like, you know, hardcore mixed with death metal riffs or whatever? Or are we talking about all the At The Gates In Flames ripoff bands? Uh, or are we talking about the Undero style bands? All those bands are still considered metalcore. But they've obviously all come from very different places. And, um, you know, with, with 36 Crazy Fists, here they are doing what they have always done. But you've got the influences of hard rock. You've got the influences of alternative rock and metal. And, uh, you know, like these guys listen to more Helmet than they listen to, like, you know, Sunday Day Real Estate. You, you know, like it's at least influence wise. I don't know what they listen to personally. Uh, but like maybe you should have asked him. Yeah, I probably should have been like, what are you listening to this week, Brock? <laughs> and he would have told me too, but like that episode, man, that we went, we went on, we went hard and I'm like, all right, guys, I got to sign off now. I'll talk to you guys later. And they're just like, I think John and Brock talked for like another 45 minutes after that. I was just like, yeah, I'm done. I got to go to bed. I got to be at work in an hour. But I do think that like this very much to, to answer your question, um, were they doing what all the other bands were doing that year? Uh, in a certain sense, Yes. But because they were an original band with a different set of influences, it comes off differently. The presentation comes off differently, and it adds to the uniqueness of this band because there aren't any other bands that sound like 36 Crazy Fists. And I admit a lot of that's Brock, but like I just like how these guys will just go off into like a, um, a melodic passage, and they even do the twinkly guitar thing that like all the bands do, but it's not a twinkly guitar like Hope's Fall. It's more like... Um, there's always like an effect on it or something like that, like that Soundgarden Black Hole Sun, you know, kind of like sort of effect. I, I did a terrible impression of it, but uh, maybe Joel will play a clip to illustrate what I'm talking about because he he knows what I'm saying. But like, it's it's got all of that. It's funny we even did that uh, on on our first demo. We added that effect uh, to one of our songs. Absolutely. And uh, you know, it's it, it's really what sets them apart. And like to my ears, being like an old person at this point. Or an older heavy music fan, uh, I actually can hear those influences. Where maybe if somebody's first heavy band they heard was like an Azalea Dying or a Suicide Silence or an Under Oath or something like that, maybe they're not going to hear those influences. But what they are going to hear is um, 
they're going to hear that this band sounds different and they're going to explore that. Or they're going to be like, oh, it's crap. It doesn't sound like all the other stuff I listen to, so it sucks. Uh, there, there's always that portion of the uh, of the listening population. But yeah, I love I like this record a lot, and uh, I think it's really cool. But we are going to move into what I think is their finest work. 2008, The Tide and its Takers. This We're metalcore now. Well, they they've all, they have been metalcore for the like past couple of albums. Um, metalcore and alternative metal, I think, is the is the is the prevailing uh, terminology people use to describe this record. Uh, I like this one a lot because Brock's vocals go back to kind of more that more raw sound. Like, so what I was complaining about with Rest Inside the Flames about how he sounded like maybe maybe a little bit too overprocessed, a little bit too smooth. Um, he starts coming off very very harsh. Uh, even in, even in his clean singing, his screams are as harsh as ever. Uh, the clean singing—I know this entire discography discussion is about the vocals. I'm sorry, uh, but like they really really hit a cool stride here because this is where their stuff starts sounding decidedly different. The All Night Lights kicks it off, just a nice in-your-face metal riff. Brock screams, "Bam! We're gonna we're gonna go into breakdown territory." Uh, his vocals are acidic. They sound super, super dry, almost fried. Uh, and for whatever reason, I enjoy that because, again, it sounds like I'm seeing the band live. You know, uh, he does a lot of the yelly thing that, that Joe used to make fun of me for doing uh, <laughs> on, on metalcore songs where, you know, uh, yeah, I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to scream. I'm just going to yell. But uh, his his vocals come back full effect and they sound more like they did on Bitterness, the Star and Snowcap Romance. Uh, just super, super raw. And uh, this is also the first 36 record that I would describe as like kind of fun, like a little bit more upbeat, a little bit more, uh, a little bit less dramatic, you know, and, and more, more just kind of fun, you know, a little bit of like Southern metal riffs kind of, kind of thrown in there just to, just to have, just to make it fun. You know, uh, we a gave a little it more haste the day on this one. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like the song we gave it hell is one of my favorites. Um, I just like how it, it, it kind of has a little bit of that every time I die swagger to it, you know, and uh, and I love it, man. Like, I don't know. I don't know really how else to describe it. I like the shouting, the yelling and all of that. Um, I just love it. But uh, my favorite song on this record uh, is the song Vast and Vague, and uh, it's featuring Candace from uh, Walls of Jericho. And uh, we did talk about this song on the uh, we did talk about this in the interview as well. This is like as close as you're going to get to a metal du duet. So kind of, to kind of throw off of, you know, Jim Carrey's joke about how, you know, this metal guy is going to want to eventually go on to do duets. This is kind of like that. Um, it's more like a guest spot. It's not really like a duet, but uh, I, I really, really, really love how aggressive it starts off. And then it goes into this like really smooth chorus. And uh, Candace sounds really good. And it's funny because if you listen to Walls of Jericho, she doesn't sing like not in the traditional way but on this 36 on this 36 record she, she does and it sounds really good and just to hear her and brock trading off uh it's just it's it's so cool like i don't know it's a it's very special to me uh, i listen to this all the time i listen to it so much actually that uh so spotify has a speech has a feature where like it's like on repeat it'll play like your most played songs or whatever Every single time I hit shuffle on that playlist, this is the first song that comes up. <laughs> Damn, dude. So, 
<laughs> I love it, man. I love it. I, I, I don't even want to look at like a, a, a counter or whatever, but I've listened to this song like four or five times, and I think it it captures everything that we're talking about in that it is impossibly heavy in places, but it's also like it's heavy, it's fun, it's intense, and I love it. I love I love the way Brock's voice sounds on this album. I like the way they wrote the songs. Their, their song structures are a little bit different than they were before. This is also one of the first uh, 36 records where they kind of start picking up on that nautical theme about, you know, just being on the water and fishermen and boats and stuff. And uh, like the cover has a skeleton holding a pirate ship. Uh, the record is the tide and its takers. And uh, and this is this is where they kind of kind of really play up the water theme. And in talking to Brock, him talking about how he's always been such a fan of, of fishermen and grew up, grew up with fishermen and, you know, being in Alaska. And that's always something that's really important to him. And so it was really cool seeing that kind of transfer uh, kind of into the art in a more obvious way. If you're in high school in the late 2000s and all you listen to is pop punk and what the general populace refers to as emo. Do you like this record? My answer is no. Because despite having breakdowns and very intense, hardcore-styled screaming, the vocals are not engaging when they become melodic. They're too baritone. Brock Lindau is absolutely doing the same thing he's been doing for all of the band's discography. But the balance is so 50-50 on this one. I don't think the general fan of emo, metalcore, late 2000s, pop punk, I don't think they're into this record. I think it's too much of a band sounding like they're trying to be part of a scene, when in reality, this band has been going on for well over 10 years. They've got their own sound, and it meshes with what was going on at that time perfectly. It's unique, if only for Brock's vocals. I agree, and I think that the the traditional songwriting stuff is still very much there, but I think that the vocal approach is a lot less obvious. Um, he changes it up a lot on this record, uh, where he'll just go seamlessly from screaming to singing to yelling to shouting to talking. You know, um, it's it's all there, but it's not done in such an obvious way anymore. And I think that's what really attracted me to it because I do I do eventually get tired of hearing you know a predictable a predictable chorus, predictable verse, you know, like that sort of thing. Um, and they still have those elements, but the way that the way that he vocalizes all of it uh, is is different and more dynamic than it has been in the past. Two thousand and ten collisions and castaways and we are back to the nautical theme guys uh we never know, left back we we never left we 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 were with the tide and its takers and then we ended up uh having a collision and are now castaways uh this is this is where we're living um this record i have to admit uh does very much carry on in the same vein as the tide and its takers um it's got a little bit more of that uh, rest inside the flames heaviness in it. Um, the guitar tones are a little bit deeper. Everything punches a little bit better. But I think all of this stuff is really just uh, more of a more of a return to form for the band. Um, like I was saying on the last record, you know, it's it sounds a little bit different. This record, unfortunately, you do end up. This is where the band actually kind of starts sounding 
sounding a little bit samey. You know, uh, I don't, I don't think this record is the tide and its takers because I don't really like it as much as I like that record. But I think this is where they had kind of found a style and just kind of stuck with it. This is this is where the record stopped sounding decidedly different than than the previous. If that makes sense. I was thrown off two records prior. Like I said, I restarted this discography three times this week. By the time I made it to Collisions and Castaways, I realized that the band was trying to evolve, or at least it appears cosmetically they were trying to evolve with the times. And this sounds like a record that should have come out four years prior, in 2010. It sounds like the band was a little late to the party. This one starts off with breakdowns. It starts off with multiple layers of guitars and just breakdown after hardcore vocal after breakdown after hardcore vocal. It doesn't sound bad. I like the record, but it's the first time it sounds like Brock Lindau got a new band. And I'm not aware of the band having any significant changes in the songwriting department. Sadly, that's something I haven't really paid attention to either is the lineup changes, as I just sometimes find it distracting. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it just sounds like the last record, which is fine because the last record was was great, you know. So they're not letting us down here. It's just worth pointing out that they're kind of starting to do the same thing again. Uh, but it's okay. Like every record doesn't have to invent the wheel. Um, but I, I I do think that like I think that this one overall is heavier than the Titan and its Takers. And that's going to be very, very, very important as, as we go on to the next record because the next record is decidedly more pissed off. Are we ready for time and trauma? I mean, I don't think anybody's you know ready for trauma, but this thing is probably the most unhinged 36 Crazy Fists I've heard. I haven't heard Brock this angry since Bitterness the Star. Uh... The, the, they, they they come in harder on the extreme metal elements kind of their first time fi- kind of their first time taking it this far there's like the title track Time and Trauma I mean the riff that opens that song up is just so menacing it's not the fastest thing you've ever heard it's not the heaviest thing you've ever heard but you can feel the anger you know you know very Palpatine I can feel your anger uh, this is a very, very angry record, and uh, I might be, unnatural. I might be, yeah, I might be taking, uh, <laughs> I might be taking, you know, talking out of turn here, but I want to say, dude went through a divorce uh, on this one. I could be wrong about that, but I, I, I feel like that's what it was about. Maybe not about, but definitely what, like, would inspire, uh, th- would inspire this level of upsetting, of upsetness. There we go. Copyright that upsetness. Dan Terry, twenty twenty. But this this is super unhinged. Even even the songs that are slower and like more laid back are still very dark and depressing. And uh, you know, I just I really like that. You know, this is the first time Thirty Six Crazy Fists sounds like Zayo. A little bit, uh, a little bit of Funeral God in there. Might be uh, why Dan is such a fan. <laughs> yeah, it definitely helps. There yeah, is I mean, a go ahead. No, you're fine. The band has continuously changed a little bit 
throughout the discography. I don't know that anyone sat down and said, this week we're going to write this record, guys. But I definitely think they did what made sense to them at the time. Five years after Collisions and Castaways, somebody was listening to very dark, classic metalcore and said, this is what we're going to do this week. I'm like, Dan, I don't know that there isn't a story behind this one. It definitely sounds like somebody came into the room and said, just make it sound like tragedy and I'll take it from there. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And like, it's cool to hear them this angry, like this late in their career. Uh, as frustrating as that is, right? Because fans just want you to be upset. They don't want you to ever get better because that takes away from our entertainment factor, um, <laughs> which, which, it, which is horrible, but it is a harsh reality of being a music fan and being a musician. Uh, NF talks about it all the time on his records uh, about how like nobody actually wants him to get better. Uh, and I think, I think this, this was a good change musically from like collisions and castaways which i felt like sounded a little bit too much like the last record and let me preface this by saying i don't think any of these bands are any of these bands i don't think any of these albums are bad uh i think that this band is amazingly consistent but what some what separates them from like a band we did recently uh amon amarth is that that band you know consistently kept the same sound throughout whereas 36 Crazy Fist does that, but I think the nature of their songwriting and the wanting to write a new and interesting hook for each song and, uh, you know, kind of uh, kind, kind of playing with that formula makes the songs more interesting to the casual listener. But what I like about this one is it's so angry is that, like, they'll still throw some unexpected stuff in there. And uh, I don't know. I just like that, man. I don't like to I don't like to just be able to predict what's going to happen. But I also like, you know, where the band really is starting to kind of build up to more tense moments instead of just like doing the early 2000s thing where you just start with the breakdown and go from there, you know. Um, So I I think in that respect, yeah, I mean, time and trauma, man. It's exactly what you think it is. Uh, And it's awesome. 10 out of 10 would buy again. In 2015, it sounds like the worst day of your life over and over and over again. 2017 lanterns he's removed his hands from the keyboard he is taking in the glorious double bass punk rock breakdowns with the guttural vocals i don't know if he's unpleasable but i'm gonna make sure three two one go oh i'm not unpleasable at all this is this is exactly what i wanted man um this is super fun this is like um this is like time and trauma and uh, the tide and its takers kind of mixed into one, one record heavier vocals. How many years are we at this point with this band? Like 1994 to 2017. Let me see if I can do some math here. So uh, let's see 2004, 2014, 23 years, 23 years. And Brock is still doing interesting things with his voice. Um, listen to the vocals on Sleep Sick. They're just weird and awesome. Um, and you, they, they still, they're still weird, but then they still lock into this chorus that's just beautiful to listen to. Um, Brock sounds a lot like a rock singer on this record. Uh, still has the scream, still has the gutturals. Uh, still a lot of transitioning between more 
traditional hard rock song structures, but then getting really, really, really devastatingly heavy later on in said song. Like, this is a record that tricks you. Like, you can't just listen to the first 15 seconds of a track and know what direction it's going to go into. Um, they, they really throw a lot of, a lot of curveballs at you on this record. I'm glad you said curveballs. This sounds like a 2017 producer who has better tools than what was available 10 years prior. Had Brock Lindau show up in the studio and say, I'm Brock Lindau. This is how I do vocals. You can layer it if you want, but I'm not going to punch in every line and try to make it sound like the most beautiful melodic thing you've ever heard in the last three minutes because that's how long the singles are. It sounds like Brock Lindau showed up and just did what he does. His vocals are so classic. Brock Lindau, it's like new metal was a thing again in this band two years before it was okay to be new metal again, if that makes any sense. It sounds like everything the band has done up to this point is in the pile and it's all fair game. I love it because it still sounds like a new record. It sounds like they went somewhere. It doesn't sound like they're reproducing the previous records. They've got breakdowns. They've got double bass. They've got hardcore melodic choruses. It all works. Yeah, I think it all works is, a, is the best way to sum it up. They've never put out a bad record. Like, there's not hasn't been a record in this discography that I'm like, oh, God, why'd they do that? You know, it's, it's always been at a certain level of quality that I expect, and they always deliver it. So th this is a band overall that will please an unpleasable metal fan. Unless, you know, all they listen to is stuff like Napalm Death and Cannibal Corpse, then they're going to be like, what is this pop? <laughs> what is this pop rock band you guys are? Everybody, every metal elitist listening to this podcast right now, what is this pop rock band that you guys are saying is metal? I mean, and I, I suppose, you know, one could look at it that way, but I don't care. I like to hear good songs. I like to hear good music. And that's what this band has given me. Final thoughts on 36 Crazy Fists. Dan. You know, like a lot of bands... You know, I wasn't intimately familiar with their discography prior to doing the interview I did with Brock. Uh, I'm like any other music fan. Uh, you know, I maybe only had, I think I had like Snowcap, Rest Inside the Flames, Titan's Takers. Uh, and I hadn't dug too much into the into the later albums. And man, I'm glad that I did uh, because I found a very enjoyable experience with 36 Crazy Fists. I think they're, I think they're fantastic at what they do. And, uh, and I appreciate the longevity of the band overall. So, I mean, I, I would highly recommend. I think 36 Crazy Fists is a band that allows the listener to roll the dice every time they reach into their collection and pull out a record by the band. They have their new metal chops. They have their hardcore chops. They are a unique blend, in my opinion, of all metal styles that you love from the late 90s, early 2000s, and even in to the late 2010s. I haven't heard a band put metalcore and hardcore and new metal tendencies together the way this band does. Maybe that's Brock's voice, but that's enough for me if what you're giving me is a blend I haven't heard before. If this band sounded like every other metalcore band, I wouldn't care. This would be a 20-minute episode where we talk about five records of what this band sounded like when they were trying to become pop radio famous. But instead, you have 36 Crazy Fists who's going to show up and entertain you. 
And to me, that's the most important thing. And you should listen to 36 Crazy Fists. Damn, what's your album of the week? My album of the week is Tantrum of the Muse. The heart is a two-headed sperm. Make sure you spell that outright, sperm. For me, it is the record I picked up off eBay featuring our good friend John Drake on lead vocals. And that is Current by the band Gatlin. Dan is going to try very hard to take this record from me the next time he's in the studio. I'll get a good rip of it. Don't worry about it. You can't have it. (laughs) I'll just get it from John Drake. I'll have him sign it with his blood or his lightsaber. Take us out, DFT. If you've ever been listening to this podcast and you'd like to make a suggestion on a band you want us to cover on the show, there's a multitude of ways you can do that. You can reach out to us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can tweet at us at discuss metal. You can send us an email at show at gmail.com. You can join our official Facebook group. You can join our official Discord server. Uh, you can try to, like, I don't know, find one of us out in public and tell us, you know, as long as you're six feet away, uh, what bands you want us to talk about. So, I mean, yeah, you can reach out to us in so many ways. If you want to represent discography discussion on the street, you can check out our merch store over at teespring.com. There'll be a link in the show notes that'll take you there. There'll also be a link to the Discord server. We're here for you guys. Uh, Most of the bands that we talk about on the show these days are bands that you, the listeners, have suggested us to check out. And it's been awesome for me. It's been awesome for Joe getting to hear bands that maybe we otherwise uh, maybe hadn't really listened to that much or... Uh, you know, like even a band like 36 Crazy Fists, a band that, you know, maybe I needed to dig a little bit deeper to really appreciate what they had going. Uh, these suggestions are awesome. So definitely keep them coming, guys. And, uh, you know, if you if you just can't get enough of, of hearing my voice, uh, I am also over on the Brutally Speaking podcast every single week with my buddy John Beatty. And uh, I'm also on Twitch at twitch.tv slash DiscussMetalDan, where I play games at the very least two times a week or just whenever I want to. I'll always be on there playing games, having a great time. So definitely stop by and say, hey, give me a follow over there, and uh, I'll talk to you guys very soon. And on that note, this has been Episode 194 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to Show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com forward slash discuss metal. We have some sweet perks. One dollar a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed along with other Patreon exclusive episodes. Boom. Boom.